Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. You know, there are some people who look at the gospel message in a kind of fatalistic way. Something like this. I know I need to be saved for my sin, but if God wants to save me, then I'll just have to sit here and wait for it to happen. Or even worse, they say, I guess I'll just have to find out after I die. Now imagine that, gambling with your own soul. No, the gospel message is quite clear on this point. We all are quite responsible here and now for what we do with God's offer, and more importantly, what we do with Christ. In today's message, evangelist Mr. Gaius Goff takes a look at the three strong wills in our lives, God's will, the devil's will, and our will. You can be certain that God's desire for your salvation and well-being is a blessing that the devil is also determined to keep you from. But you can be sure that you have the deciding will in this matter, not that you can save yourself, but that you must make salvation the priority of your life. God says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20, Be you reconciled to God. Yes, it's a command that God wants you to take seriously. And what if you do seek for God's salvation and turn to Him for forgiveness? Well, you will find that God has already taken the first step in this great reconciliation. He has already sent His only Son for you. Now, isn't that tremendous? Now, tonight, I'm going to read to you a little bit about three strong wills that are involved in your life. There's God's will for you. There's Satan's will for you. And then you've got your own will to choose. Responsibility to choose. 2 Corinthians 4 and 3. But if our gospel be hid... It is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. One more reading over a page or two to chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, or he's made new. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, before I read any more, I want to give you an understanding of that great big word, reconciliation. Reconciliation is an act of bringing two opposing parties together. Separations are inevitable in life, and probably we all know what it's like to have a difficult time to make reconciliation between people that either don't like each other or something bad has happened. And so reconciliation means that those two 
opposing people are brought together. You know, when it happens, you get hurt feelings or injury to your emotion or relationships break down and, and as it goes on further, the uh, confrontations can get heated and people start to deny on either side and then they start telling lies to justify their position. And they make accusations and it goes on and on and on and the facts are distorted. So somebody's got to get these people back together. Well, that's what reconciliation means. It's the process of bringing those people back together. So I'm going to read on to verse 19. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling or bringing them back together the world to himself not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the ministry or the service of reconciliation and the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye or be you reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, he who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We then as workers together with him beseech you that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he said, I've heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored or have I helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So we have read of God's will for you. That's the gospel. And Satan is slithering through the centuries, whispering smooth tongue promises and beguiling and deceiving and tempting people and urging people to reject God and the Bible and truth, and follow Satan. His emissaries have been on the job for a long time. And they give false teachings, and false accusations, and a lot of heresies. Those are the things that people say, well, as long as you do the best you can, and pray, and make sure you give your money to the church, and don't cost too bad, and be fairly faithful in your life, You know, you can't, people try to smooth talk life without saying sin is really sin. Well, that's Satan. That's the way he works his will. And so people like that listen to the gospel like this, in a meeting like this, and they say, I I don't really understand it. Well, the Bible tells us, that's why I read that, if you don't understand what we're saying here, It's because somebody has blinded your mind. I was preaching one time, and a man had been in the Air Force, and he'd spent quite a bit of time in different parts of the world, and he was had been down in Texas and worked on an air base down there. He was discharged, came back to his home, and he had heard the gospel when he was young, right up until his teen years till he joined the Air Force. So when he came back home, he'd seen enough stuff in different parts of the world and in war that he was fed up to there with maybe even to the top of his head. You know, war is never nice. He knew that there was some gospel meetings like this going on. 
and his mother asked him to come up. He grew up listening to the gospel, but now he's in his late 20s and he can't get it together. He can't figure out what, what he's missing. Why isn't it working? So here he is now, well, maybe he's in his early 30s, I don't just remember his age, but he's there and a mature man and has lived a lot and has seen a lot and is fed up with a lot and he's tested out everything that the world's had to offer and he's sick and tired of his life. Maybe I'm speaking to somebody like that here. You've had it up to there. Satan's had you by the nose, you know, a ring in your nose really and leading you around and you followed. One night after a gospel meeting, he said, I, I can't get there. The preacher asked him, like sometimes we speak at the door, I said, how are you? he said, how are you getting along? Can you understand what we're saying? Well, he said, I know what the gospel is. I know that Christ died for our sins and was buried and rose again, and he's alive and coming again. I know that, but he said, I am not saved. He said, what's wrong with me? And turn to these words. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. Boy, he said, now that's me. He said, that's exactly me. Well, have you ever got there yet? Where you said, I'm lost. I just don't get it. I'm lost. Well, now, when somebody is lost and admits it, they're right alongside the door being found. Turn your Bible to Luke chapter 19. Now, read verse 10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is, that which is lost. He said, why, why, man, that's me. I'm lost and that's why Jesus came and God saved him as the light of the glorious gospel shone into his soul and he was reconciled to God. Now, what does that big word reconciled mean? It means that you and I have got this problem by nature and we can't reach to God because he's holy and he can't and will not take sinful people into heaven. Never has and he's not going to. So we got this problem. How can we reach to God who's way beyond us? And here we are with sin in our soul and we can't help that. And it seems to get worse and worse as time goes by. And that's true. The longer you live, the tougher it's going to be. Because it multiplies. Sin gets worse. Maybe start with a lie. Then before long it becomes with the habitual lying. Then you start to deceive yourself and deceive the government and deceive your wife or you deceive your husband or you deceive your parents. And before long, you have to admit, I'm a full-blown, ungodly, lost liar. And other things follow right behind it. Unfaithfulness, unholiness, without natural affection, truth breakers. And the scripture tells us all the things that are there. Here we are with this problem. So how do we connect with God? Well, God arranged this way, and he made the first move. So it isn't that we stand down here and say, okay, God, won't you come and save me? He's already made his move. 
A long time ago. And the Bible says that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. And Jesus was sent from heaven so that you and I could be reconciled to God. So God made the first move to overcome this great separation. Now normally, the rules for reconciliation are the person that does the wrong takes the initiative. But this is one of the beauties of the gospel. God made the first move. Now, that's love. That's why that verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's where it comes in. God made a move to reconcile with you. Now understand, God doesn't have a thing to apologize for. He didn't do anything wrong. We did it. We started it. We started the problem. And you've done it. And you've been doing it for years, some of you. But he made the first move toward you when he sent Jesus down here to pay the price of your sin. And you know, he did it. You know, oftentimes when people fall out with each other, they wish they could move back towards being friends with somebody, but they're afraid that the person is going to have a wall up and there's going to be a rebuff there. But God sent His Son into this world knowing that He was going to be rejected and knowing that people like you would turn your back on Him for years in your life. Not only that, He knew that He was going to be humiliated and despised and rejected and crucified. He knew it before He came. But He came anyway. He made His move when he sent his son. And if he hadn't done that, it would have been impossible for anybody to ever come to God. But God made the move. And the Lord Jesus was willing to come. And the Bible says that the Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. So he wasn't hostile against you. Not even against the people that crucified him. He said to God about them, he said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And they killed him. They did. But even after that happened, God made sure that they knew that he loved them. And I want you to understand that though you are a lost soul and really have been despising him and his grace, he still has his eye on you because he loves you. And he's prepared to forgive everything that you've done. Even those things that you hope nobody will ever know or see. You hope your mother, your father, the government, the laws, the police will never, never remember them again. But you remember. And so does God. But he says, when you come to me and are reconciled, I'll forgive it. But not only that, he forgets it. He chooses to remove a lifetime of sinning and cast that like it is into the depths of the sea. And he says, their sins and iniquities I'll remember no more forever. Now understand, God hasn't gone soft on sin. No, no. He's not overlooking the sins of your life. And he's not overlooking all the crooked things you've ever done. Be sure, your sin will find you out. The Bible makes that clear. 
But God hasn't gone soft on sin, but what he has done, and mind you, he hasn't surrendered to you either. He hasn't surrendered to your arrogance, and he hasn't surrendered to your insults. It must be an insulting thing to God when people try to pay something for what he has paid for already with blood. My wife and I, when we got married, I didn't have much money. So the engagement ring I bought for her wasn't very big. And it had a little stone there about the size of a head of a pin. You know, you couldn't get much for $100 back so many years ago. But when I asked her to marry me, and I had that ring, I asked her if she'd marry me, and she said yes. And I put that on her finger. We got married. We're having a good time being married. Still are. One time when we had two girls and we had our own place and we had a big garden out back of our house where we used to raise our vegetables. And so the girls didn't like the garden much because they had to crawl around and pull weeds and pick bugs and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's kind of icky stuff for kids. But so they did. And one day we were all out in this garden and when we came in, my wife went to wash her hands. And the diamond was gone. That little small diamond was gone off her ring. Well, boy, no, sir. We all had to go back out there and start looking. Now, how do you look for a diamond in a quarter of an acre of dirt? So we did. We went back and forth, and we looked and looked and looked, and not a sign. And by the time it was getting dark, we went into the house and had something. I said, Mike, we got a few dollars now. We'll get a, we'll get a nice one. We'll get a bigger one. He said, no, but it wouldn't be the same. There's something special about that one. Whew. Well, what are we going to do? We kind of, me and the girls had given it up. Where's, the, where's Linda gone? It was dark outside. Look out through the window, and here she is going up and down the rows with a flashlight, seeing if that diamond wouldn't sparkle. And you know something? She found that. A little tiny diamond in a field of dirt and among plants, and she found it. It's not on her finger. You won't see it. It's in the safety deposit box. <laughs> but there's something special about that because it was a testimony of our love. So how's God showing that he loves you and wants you to be reconciled to him? He found the single greatest object of his love, his own son. And instead of going soft on sin... He laid our sins on Jesus. The Bible says it like this. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was on him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. God did that for you. Now, doesn't that deserve a heartfelt thank you from you? Can you be so hard-hearted as not to appreciate what the Father did and what the Son did? The Bible says He bore our sins in His own body on the tree so that you and I would be separated from our sins and from now on would live for God. That's what God has done. So he didn't overlook sin. He threw the whole law book at us. And then he stepped in 
and personally assumed full responsibility for every debt we owe. Now, doesn't that deserve somebody getting down on their knees and thanking them? We're not talking about a casual stroll by a cross in the front of a building and a genuflecting of the head or crossing yourself as you pass by a galvanized pipe cross on top of a church. We're not talking about that. We're talking about you and the Lord who died for you. You might be reconciled to God. So God did it his way. And don't you dare try to insult God by doing it your way. That would be one of the greatest insults possible for somebody to indicate that God didn't do enough. You know, there's some people are whiners. A man came to me one time, he said, well, Mr. Goff, I want to be saved, but God hasn't saved me. I've been listening to the gospel for 40 years, and he hasn't saved me yet. And I told him, I said, people like you make me sick. I said, look at all the good things that have happened to you in 40 years. You should be down on your knees here in this dirt with your face in the ground. Say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm a lost soul. It wasn't more than a week later. I had gone back to my home and the phone rang. Mr. Goff, yes. And he called me his name. And he said, he did it. He did it all. And he said, I thanked him. I got down on my knees before him and thanked him. God does business in reconciling people together when you will come to him through Christ. Now, I would urge you, in Christ's name, be reconciled to God. Yes, we hope that you will heed God's earnest request for you personally to be reconciled to Him. It's His will. He has already moved towards you in doing the great work by sending His Son to pay the debt of sin for you. Now, He's looking for your will. What will it be? Will you bow your knee in thankfulness and praise for the Savior who died for you? There is one who has tried all your life to prevent you from doing so. Listen to the devil no longer, and choose Christ today, won't you? You'll be happy that you did. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and the very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, 
you need an anchor.